the pitchers generations have done a lot, you know, Cindy Sherman has, you know, done a lot for that, you know, cause. I think, you know, Carrie Mae Weems and Mickling Thomas have also, um, even Jurgen Teller, you know, um, has also, you know, did a lot um, to sort of make sure that like photography itself is taken seriously, you know? You know, I don't know. I just thought that like, there was a, such a rich history and the fact that like all our lives are all just pictures now, you know, and and that like we need to sort of interrogate what those pictures mean, you know, and because they're having a, a really, really profound effect on who we are, what we think, how we dress, you know, what we think is beautiful. Episode 125 of Corporate Lunch, the world's first and only non-fungible podcast about clothes. And um, another milestone, another opportunity for you to change, to have your life changed today by some folks that work at GQ. Little announcement here at the beginning. We've actually um, created an NFP, NFT of the legendary pants episode of Corporate Lunch. <laughs> Bidding is open now and, and begins at $674,000. That seems low. Well, it's a, Rachel, it's just a starting point. We got to get, yeah, okay. it's just, we, we set the bar low to get some action. Right, right, to build the momentum. Yeah, it's an old auctioneer's trick. I learned from my grandpappy who used to auction off sailing oars. <laughs> and the pants episode is really just the beginning. I mean, um, we have 124 episodes in the back catalog here that can all, all be tokenized. Um, it could, but for now, let's bid on pants and bid hard. <laughs> speaking of art, um, and, and pants. <laughs> so speaking of art and pants, we're having very good friend of the pod, friend of GQ, friend of the art world, friend to the fashion world, Antoine Sargent, as our guest today. Huge. Very huge. Oh uh, Antoine Sargent has had many, many fruitful interactions with uh, GQ, GQ.com, the wider GQ landscape, uh, including, I think, some participation in some racial, Rachel Tashian bylines. Um, but probably the, the, the biggest project we've done with Antoine so far uh, was a feature profile he wrote on Jonathan Lyndon Chase, the Philly-based painter. Um, I cannot recommend Jonathan's work enough. Uh, they have a show up at the Fabric Workshop in Philly right now. Antoine. Friends, friends, friends. What's up? Hello. Good morning. How are things? Let's check our eye bags. Uh, you're doing yeah. better than me. No surprise there. What happened? <laughs> Just check. Checking, checking the bags under my eyes, as you seem to be. Oh, I just put on a, I just got done working out and took a shower. And so I put on my very expensive face shit. Putting, you're putting on your morning face. Yeah. From biologique recherche. All of it. Yeah. Exactly. Every product under the sun <laughs> from BP. Just <laughs> layering it all. You know, if you're not putting on, you know, placenta, lamb placenta onto your face, are you even awake? Are you, do you even care about 
aging. What's the point of having a face if you can't put lamb placenta on it? <laughs> I mean, exactly. I mean, I really, it's it really, it's about, you know, like a, trying to be embryonic, you know, it's like a, it's a reversal. It's all working for you based on this morning's glow. You look younger than when we ran into you on the street two nights ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, the, did the humankind box ever hit? Did the Pharrell skincare ever hit? You know, I never used it because it was like, it was like too many, it was like making a potion like it was all like powder based. And so you had to like mix water in. And, and I was just like, so it's sitting in my bathroom. I, I like, it was too many steps. You're just you like know? two pumps of the placenta and exactly. <laughs> what do you like, get about my day? Directly onto my face. <laughs> also the, like the BE sort of um, um, like stuff, it just, it feels richer, you know? Like you feel like, something's actually happening, you know, when you're like, it burns, it's, you know, it really it does. Smells like, it smells bad. It smells really bad. Like you really do feel like you're in, like you're in it, like you're doing a, like, you know, like it, there's a process that you're sort of, you know, undertaking and it's not, you know, sort of nice or pretty. And so you feel like it's actually working, whether it is or not, who knows, but like you feel that way. Yeah. If there's and not like a chemistry, is, if there's not chemistry happening on your face, then. It just exactly. doesn't feel satisfying, yeah. And then I also was sort of afraid of switching products and having the other product like break me out or something. So I've just like stuck with, um, you know, what, what I've been using. What was, the, uh, what was the workout this morning, Antoine? Did you go on like a hundred mile bike ride or? I, I didn't, I've not been biking because it's not, it's not been cold, but now that it's warming up, I'm going to get back to biking. But no, I was working out with my trainer. Today was a leg day. I hate leg day. Um, and also we woke up, like we, we worked out at 8 a.m. this morning. So it was just like- Is that early like half, or late? That's early. early. I was like half asleep because I mean, we saw Sam last night at Jeremy's and as we all know, like when we hang out with him, it's like, it, it, you could you literally be there for the next day, you know. I was leaving. I was leaving, and Antoine was arriving, and I was like, "Don't forget about the podcast tomorrow, bright and early, yeah, 10 a.m." That was like, yeah, that was like what 10:30 or 11 or something. I think it was and like so, 10, yeah. But anyway, thanks for having me. I'm glad my my campaign was successful here. What was your campaign? <laughs> I, I've just, you know, Rachel. I, I've been I've been saying I want to come on the pod. I want to come on the pod. Oh, you've been leaning on Rachel. I've been leaning on Rachel, my yeah. neighbor. I think yeah. uh, we got a lot of uh, ground to cover, but there's some breaking news here uh, that I'm going to oh, report. Uh, beep, beep, beep. You know, the breaking news sound um, from Christie's auction. Beeple's first 5,000 days just sold for $69 million. So there's some art news for everyone to check. That is, we were joking at NF about NFTs before you came on, Antoine, but that's, that is an NFT, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone's like obsessed. I'm like, is, is this a return to like net art? Like, you know, <laughs> you get a little certificate. I mean, it's so sort of weird because you get a, like a certificate. You don't even get the art, you know? Yeah. Like the tweet, right? Like Jack Dorsey's tweet, like you're going to get a certificate that says you own the tweet, but the tweet still remains in the public. I don't know. I just like, I think they have some work to do on like making it feel as if like it's a work of art that you actually like own opposed to like you just having a certificate, you know? Right. It seems 
like an exercise in like perverse ownership rather than <laughs> like a kind of collector's like, uh, sensibility. When people sell performances, like I guess they get certificates too, you know, but then you can sort of rec you have the right to recreate them or whatever, you know, like if museums buy a performance and they can, you know, they can sort of stage that performance. I just don't know where the NFT sort of scam goes, you know? Plus, I mean, yeah. nobody needs to see a recreation of fucking Jack's first tweet. Right. <laughs> like we saw it, we're fine, we're good, we get it. Like, And then, you know, but I also, I, I think that with, the, with them, like, it also just makes everything, which I, this is the thing I hate in art and I, this is sort of maybe rich for me because I'm, I now directed this gallery, but you know, like I hate that like everything sort of the value of a work of art becomes directly relational to money, the worth of it, you know? And because we're not talking about it because like of the like formal qualities of this tweet or like the, you know, the way written it or the rich or any of that stuff. What we're talking about is that like he was able to get over on somebody, some, you know, with, for selling this thing or whatever, you know, or somebody or Grimes who, I, I'm like, I need to see proof that Elon Musk did not buy that from her. <laughs> like, I would like to see the proof that I would like, because I mean, you know, like I, I just don't, I would just like to see the proof. Like, can we, can someone show us that somebody actually bought that that was not her husband? And there's something as internet-y as this whole phenomenon is, it's also really feels to me aggressively anti-internet because they're basically saying, anything noteworthy or important or transformational that happens can, and not only can, but should have a dollar value assigned right. against it. Whereas I thought the principle of the internet and the whole point of Twitter um, was that all of this stuff is gonna be like open source, open code, um, shared and free, ha ha ha. Then it turns out actually, you know, our data is being mined. Um, in mm -hmm. order to allow it to be free. And now triple ha ha ha. In addition to that, we're also going to like figure out how to make certificates to go against these free things that happened in the past and right. ascribe a dollar value to them. Uh, was the 69 million for Beeples, was that paid for with blockchain? Nobody like transferred, nobody like sent a wire transfer of dollar. Christie's is, is listing it as a USD amount, but I believe it's oh. in um, ether. I think it was yeah, paid for currency and coins. So, yeah. and I do think that this whole thing exists just to give something, all the, the um, crypto investors to give them something to do with that money. Cause you can't really do much with right. it other than invest in other currencies. So it's, it's like all sort of trapped and locked up. I, I think, I guess you could sell it, but they, it's not how it really works. So I think this is just kind of a big game for them all to play with their crypto. I'm, I'm, I'm into, conceptually speaking, I'm really into crypto, but really like anti, for me that like, that devalues ether. The idea that it would be worth yeah. 69 million equivalent dollars of equivalent ether. Someone reached out to me, a brand reached out to me and was like, you know, to do an Instagram post, uh, like a paid Instagram post. And they told me, they were like, if you, you know, post this thing or whatever the fuck they want me to post, we would give you one one, um, one uh, Bitcoin for it, right? For this post. 
And then so I hit I hit my I hit my financial advisor Tyler Mitchell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Antoine, I need to give you some advice about your financial advisor. <laughs> no, because Tyler like knows like he's in the the thick of this crypto shit. He's up and on so crypto. I, it's true. So I hit my I hit the financial advisor, uh, Mr. Mitchell, and I said, "How much money is one Bitcoin? Like, like is this crazy?" And he was like, it's like one Bitcoin is worth like no money or something. Like he was just like, I was, no, 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 sorry. He said that they were gonna give me, they were gonna give me a hundred dollars in Bitcoin. Mm. And so I asked how much was that? And he's like, it's like 89 cents or something. Or like, it was like not even, or not even 89 cents. It was like some infantile, like, you know, like there, it was worth nothing. And I was like, oh, wow. That's so crazy that one, a, you know, a, company would like be tried to like do like give you know hundred dollars in bitcoin that you can't use you know in the world that we're living in i was going to uh, say if they were going to give you one bitcoin please yeah that would have been give lost. them my dm <laughs> and i will post whatever the fuck they want yeah, yeah no that that would have been a lot but it, but yeah no a hundred dollars in, in in bitcoin which is no money yeah it's really scammy of them to like frame it in that way Exactly. It's like the yeah, story because... of Manhattan and like the Indians saying, hey, like, we'll give you two beads. And exactly. the Dutch were like, sounds pretty good to us. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that was so I had to hit Tyler. And I was like, can you walk me through this? Um, because, you know, outside of being a great photographer, he's he's also um, very much on the currency tip. Yeah. The crypto guru. Yeah. So. Antoine, you recently obviously had this amazing announcement um, of a new directorship at the Gagosian. And I'm wondering, now that the sort of like the, um, uh, all the all the dancing in the streets and all the dust has settled around that announcement, like how are you thinking about, and we could talk about this on a more like conceptual way or a brain space way, or even the way you're like organizing your month now, like your calendar. Mm -hmm. How are you thinking about the mix of things that you do? Because I think of you as a writer and you're welcome to correct any of these things, a writer and an art critic. You wrote a great feature um, uh, for us mm -hmm. and, and for many others. I think of you as a curator um, and uh, now you also have this directorship. So mm -hmm. what does this mean for the kind of scope of Antoine Sargent that we're gonna see? I mean, I think that like, I am going to continue doing those things and continue writing, curating outside the gallery and also doing things inside the gallery. So it doesn't really sort of change the sort of scope of the work, um, but I think it does sort of change, you know, a little bit of where I get to do it, right? Like um, an editor that I worked with, um, emailed me and was like, congratulations, you can never write for us again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, which, which is like fair, you know, people have sort of different standards and different sort of ideas of what is a conflict and what's not. And, you know, like you sort of got to respect that. But then other people were just like, um, you know, they did the exact opposite. Will you still be able to write? Will you still be able to, to sort of, you know, um, contribute? And so, you know, the short answer is yes. Um, the sort of longer answer is that like, you know, I'm now sort of, you know, at the gallery, it's a gallery. And so um, there is, you know, 
it's a business. And so you have to make sure that, you know, you're sort of doing that sort of thing. But also there's a lot, I think the reason why I was sort of interested in the job was offered to me because there's a lot of sort of, there's a history of this particular gallery um, sort of being ambitious and it's sort of uh, programming and, you know, and, um, you know, some of that, you know, has worked really well, you know, in, in, in some ways. And then in some ways, you know, there's been folks that in the wider sort of art sort of world um, who've not been sort of invited in to sort of uh, do those type of ambitious shows and those sort of, you know, in sort of a gallery context or whatever. And so it's about, so for me, I see about sort of trying to think about um, how I can add value um, based on sort of the interest in the artists that I'm interested in um, to a gallery that is, you know, by all standards working rather well, you know, and so it's about really sort of thinking about this generation, our sort of generation, the artists that are sort of coming up now, um, and, um, you know, thinking about how do you work with them, you know, what sort of platform, um, the gallery has, you know, several different platforms, what, how do you sort of, um, give that platform over to, you know, uh, more artists to do amazing things. And so I think that's one way, but then, you know, I do, I also think about it as like, there are different things you can do in the art world. Um, and they, they serve different functions, you know? So like writing, you know, profiles is one thing, right? Um, which is different than curating an exhibition at a museum which is different from curating or organizing rather a exhibition at a gallery, right? And I think all of those functions are really important. And I just thought that like, why not be involved in all, all three of those functions, you know? And also editing, you know, like I've like started to sort of edit, you know, with Young Gift and Black and I have you know, this other project coming out um, in next month, I think, um, where I was able to sort of edit and, and, and and sort of get more writers, particularly black writers who have been writing about art, um, who don't necessarily get the sort of excitements from, you know, the the sort of uh, more sort of national publications um, to sort of open some opportunity for those folks, you know, not only in book, but also in magazine. And then also Gagosian has, particularly Gagosian also has a magazine as well. And so also suggesting writers there and, you know, for the first show that I'm doing there, I, I'm editing um, a section of the magazine and I've sort of just brought in sort of interesting people that I thought, you know, who write interesting things about art and to sort of, you know, ask, you know, ask them to sort of write about, you know, um, sort of things in relationship to this, you know, first show. And so I think that like, it's not just about artists, it's also about, you know, writers, you know, a lot of which I've been very, you know, I, <laughs> I remember like, you know, starting out making like no money at all, you know, um, writing, you know, for, you know, different publications and figuring out how to like, you know, if I'm going to write, then I need to figure out how to, you know, feed myself too in this city. And so, you know, and that being like a really sort of tough time and tough thing to figure out. And so like, I think that like, now that there are all of these other sort of, there's these platforms available to me, I think that like, I'm, just willing to use them, you know, um, and 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 hopefully use them to sort of create more opportunity for a lot of different people and not just like, you know, the lame shit of like, I got the job, I'm good, you know, I hope you figure it out, you know? Where do you, because um, you do have such great taste in writers, where do you find writers? Like, what do you read? Where do you read about art? 
what do I read about? I mean, I'm like, the thing about the art world, it's like, it's like, there are just so many like independent publications, you know, people are really so like, just about like, you know, it's like artists when there's, I mean, writing and art and, you know, all of these, you know, music, all it's like, you have a compulsion to do it, you know, like whatever the money is or whatever, like you like figure out a way to do it. So if you want, if you're a writer, you're going to figure out a way to write. Um, and you know, I'm, it's like all over the place. Like sometimes people just like, you know, everywhere from Twitter to like four columns to like people's like blogs, um, to arts.black to which is um, a public online publication ran by Jessica Lynn and Taylor Aldridge um, um, to like Apogee, which is like a, a, a magazine that, you know, that <laughs> people pull out to like Cassandra Press to like, you know, just like all these different sort of places that are so like, you know, not in sort of the uh, the necessarily like, you know, the, on the scene, but like people are producing really cool work or really great work, or I'll see like on the way that I use Twitter is like, I'll like follow all these different, you know, sort of people. And then I'll see them like link to something that, you know, someone wrote and then I'll like, oh, let me follow them and follow along for a second. And so it's always sort of like, I'm always sort of like reading and doing research in that way, you know, I, I think, or I'll like read something in art form by someone and be like, I didn't know who that was. Like, let me find out more about that person or the New Yorker or whatever, because more people are, you know, like those public, I'm not saying that those publications aren't, you know, slowly sort of publishing people. It's just not at the sort of uh, rate that I would personally like. Um, and it's also not, it's not really ever the big reviews or it's not really ever the, you know, sort of these like, um, these sort of, uh, you know, more sort of, yeah, like big or like, uh, monumental sort of uh, artworks or whatever, like the, like people, like we have like traditional folks that get to sort of speak on those topics. And then the public opinion is sort of, you know, defined by these sort of voices. And, and I just think that like, even beyond race that like, it's a problem when you have, you know, three old white dudes, you know, who are all like in their seventies, like, talking about one thing in the major magazines, you know, or the major news, like, not because like they're three old white dudes, just because like the, like the fact that like the art world is so diverse and their the opinion on art should, you know, should also reflect that diversity, you know? And so my, you know, one of the things that I'm sort of like, I'm like, why don't we just run more sort of reviews or more takes on a given show if it is a sort of monumental show? And so you can have people who have been around for a long time and their expertise, which is important, sort of respond on it. But you can also have other folks from different sort of backgrounds or come at this in a different way also respond. And so you really have like a um, real sort of dialogue and not just like, you know, the same names and the same voices, um, especially in a moment where everyone's being like, you know, so-and-so is overlooked and you're just like, well, you were there for 40 years, so who did the overlooking? You know what I mean? Like, it, like, whoever looked, like, I'm just like, well, who overlooked them? Because you, you've had this job since the 1950s, so uh, I would just like to know, um, can you just add a half a sentence about exactly who overlooked, you know? And so I think that that euphemism is just like lame. And I just think people need to just like do more we all need to do more, you know, about like trying to make sure that like where there's actual changes happen. Like you can't be like, oh, 
we're now covering, you know, mm -hmm. black artists more, but then it's by the same folks, you know, like that's not actually coverage or that's not actually change. That's not, you know, it's, it's just like the system readjusting itself um, for the moment. Well, the New Yorker is finally writing about cause. So, um, you know. <laughs> oh my God, I love, I speak, I just God's totally fired. shit it on, I just totally shitted on, you know, uh, older white dudes, but I love what Peter Schindel, <laughs> that last paragraph <laughs> about the celery. I also, by the way, I read all these people, you know, like I read all of them. Like, I, it's not like I'm like, I don't read them out of protest or anything. I read everything that is like written, you know. Uh, about you know sort of the major shows and stuff and but to be I clear the New Yorker the New Yorker said that the experience of going to the cause show at the Brooklyn Museum is like eating celery where purportedly you burn more calories in the chewing and digesting of it than you get from the celery itself. Oh yes. Which and that, you know, I mean, that, rap, 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 that was, Sam please hit some air horns and drop some flex bombs on <laughs> like that was that was a bar. Yeah. That was a bar. Yeah. You know and it was just a bar, you know, but I also- And we like, honor I, a bar when a bar happens. When a bar is happening, you know, like I'm not a hater, you know, like, and, but there's also this thing where it's like, because cause, and he, and, and Peter says this in the interview, in his, uh, in his, um, in his uh, review, he's like, he's like, I hate this, but you expect that from an elitist white dude, you know, like, I mean, he's, he's not like not aware, you know, like, I don't think anyone's not aware they're critics after all, you know, um, but, you know, the thing is like with cause, it's like, like I don't personally love it, but I <laughs> was signing up for a gym membership recently. And I, and, and I, this is the craziest thing that has happened to me. And I'm like signing up and the woman's like, oh, what do you do, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, you know, I work in art, blah, blah, blah. She goes, I'm a collector. And I was like, okay, I'll go, I'll, I'll bite. And she goes, <laughs> She goes, I was like, okay, what do you collect? You know? And she's like, I have 12 cause dog dolls, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. And I was, she's like, yeah, like, you know, and she's like, was going through like all of the, and I didn't have any of this info, like, I didn't know this or anything, you know, like I, she was going through all of, you know, the, the sizes and then this, and they release into this and the that, and then, and, you know, and then she was, and then she goes, um, you know, which led me to like, think about like supporting young artists and, like, you know, I'm looking for, and then she was like, I'm looking for this thing. I have, you know, uh, two to $3,000 is blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, I was just sort of tickled definitely by it, but I was also like, wow, like it changed, like if someone's entry point and a lot of entry points, people's entry points to the art world has been through something like a cause or, you know, or this sort of toy like, you know, um, figurine, but then it keeps them sort of going, then why is that bad? You know, like, why is that not um, appreciated? You know, and there's, so- There's also I, something that doesn't get said about Brian Donnelly, who is caused very often, which he is one of the most prolific collectors of young oh, yeah. emerging contemporary I, yes. artists. So yes, yes, while we yes. all joke about, you know, the prices that he's fetching and a lot of those prices aren't going to him because it's resale, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he's making a lot of money and, but an extraordinary amount of that money is being pumped back into the lower rungs, like the emergent rungs, both galleries and artists. 
of the art world for artists that he respects. Like he is a, I, it seems like every time I walk into a gallery and talk to the gallery, it's like, oh, how's the show going? And they're like, well, thank God Cause just bought something, you know? Yeah. And he's like, he, so a lot of that money is going right back into the system. And yeah, that no, doesn't I have think to change your experience of his work or the Brooklyn Museum show, but it does need to be said about like respect to him for that. Yeah, no, I think that that is a really, actually really great point is that it's not like it's, he's not a part of the art world. It's not a part like, like he's not a collector. It's not like he's not doing what artists, other artists do, right? And so on that level, I think that like, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him um, and all, you know, as art, just an artist, you know, but I, you know, like the, like the Brooklyn Museum, like show, like, I think that like my personal feelings about his work almost don't matter because they're because if you think about like audiences and I'm not even kicking the ball down the you know like I you know like Anne and Eugenie who did the show like I'm not I'm not sort of like protecting anyone or anything like that or but I'm but it's just more like there's an audience for this work if museums are talking about everyone talks about audiences and blah 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 I'm like well if you believe the shit you say about audiences then at some point this guy who has a huge following across like and it's across generations you know like like deserves a show deserves to have his work put on display without like you know with and that doesn't mean mean that the museum is 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 connecting it to art history and all of you know it, that's not necessarily what's happening it's that there are audiences for this work and this work tells us definitely tells a story about where we are in sort of disaster capitalism. And you know, like you know, like I think that like like why not? You know, I think that other museums should also think when they talk about audiences. And I'm not saying everyone needs to do a cause show or anything like that. But I think that like there are things that are outside of the sort of establishment taste. You see it all the time on Instagram. You see all of this stuff on Instagram getting like these people like you've never heard of have millions of followers, like artists, like have million, and you're just like, well, like where do they fit into this, you know, ecosystem? Or do they not get to be critically engaged? Even if you just you're saying you fucking hate this shit, you know, or whatever, but like, do they not get to like have um space because of you know, our, our whatever we have determined what beauty and taste and all this stuff is. And what I liked about the Peter uh, re, uh, uh, review is that he did, he did give credit where credit was due. And then he came back and said, well, this is my, how I fucking feel about it. You know, it's celery and it has no nutritious value. Um, but he still, he talked about sort of the way that they were, you know, fantastically made in the way that, you know, he, he did talk about that. And he talked about actually loving the early stuff that Cause did in Jersey with the drawing and his, you know, sort of the way that he has a command and his penmanship and all of that stuff, the formal sort of lines and all, you know, he did sort of go through the work and didn't just sort of dismiss it, which I think is, uh, a value. And I also think the, the work that the New Yorker chose to run based on what Peter had referenced was three really cool pieces, early days yeah. interventions where he was yep. unlocking the bus stop um, ad yep. cases and causing like Calvin Klein's ad ads and stuff like that. And that, yeah. that was some of the work that Peter was more complimentary of and to mm -hmm. see it there, like that shit was powerful. 
Um, yeah. well, I, I basically agree that that work was really cool. And um, so I did feel like he got a fair shake, even if he got shivved, <laughs> even mm -hmm. if calls got shivved. That, that, last, lo that last yeah. paragraph was just, yeah. I was like, I hope no one ever says it about anything I do. <laughs> Um, I, I would love Antoine to spend a little bit of time unpacking um, the reaction. And I actually think it's already fair to say the legacy of the new black Vanguard, which is a book that you published of 15 young black photographers, um, including many that are familiar to the GQ audience. Um, Tyler Mitchell cover Tyler, has obviously already been mentioned and uh, most famously has done a lot of Vogue covers, but he shot our Kanye West cover coming out of the tank. Um, Micaiah Carter, who shot our, I think one of our proudest moments of the last couple of years, which is um, the Pharrell New Masculinity yeah. cover. Um, Dana Scruggs. I wrote, which, that. I wrote something in that. Yes. Um, <laughs> Dana Scruggs, who has shot for GQ among uh, Rolling Stone covers and many others. Um, AWOL Rizku. AWOL, Adrian. Uh, Adrian Raquel, who shot Travis Scott and uh, Megan The Stallion for us. AWOL did our, I think, if I can wow, self-mythologize, our, Nip our Nipsey Hussle, Lauren London shoot, uh, among many others. So, but that's the editorial impact that, that we've seen. And and obviously, got, the book got at least give, five more, five more from the book to give covers over there. <laughs> oh well, Nadine, whose first Vogue cover dropped this week. Yeah, yeah. So, but I want to talk more. I want to talk about this book and this moment that you created beyond just the way that it has echoed in magazine and fashion editorial, but um, the moment you that this that this book kind of kicked off. And obviously you were picking up a moment that these photographers created through their work. Right. And, right. and, and you sort of, um, uh, it was like a moment of coalescence, but um, it is powerful. And I also, maybe the place that we should start, cause I'm just like rambling at this point, but maybe the place that we should start is, are you seeing Photography in, in the gallery fine art setting has had moments where it was at the forefront. That moment is not was not like 2019 and 2020 the, when this when this book came out. So what impact <laughs> do you think these young black photographers that are represented in the new black vanguard? How how is the art world like changing around them a little bit? And then let's talk about fashion and magazine and editorial work. Well, I think that, <clears throat> I, I think it actually all, it's all sort of stems from the same thing, which is these photographers got online, were very online and very vocal um, about their concerns. And they used, you know, sort of the technology of the time, you know, um, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, um, to, you know, pro like propose that, traditional institutions, magazines, museums, um, you know, galleries, see their concerns. And if they didn't, that they were going to be sort of left behind, you know? 
Um, I mean, and the institutions were going to be left behind. The institutions, not, the, not the, these young black artists. Yeah, the institutions were going to lose more credibility, right? Um, because then again, it's that question of audience. They're building their own audiences. And then you go to a museum or you go to a gallery and like, or, you know, a magazine and the conversations feel stale and not, you know, sort of contemporary. And so I just wanted to sort of say that because I think that like, they did it themselves, you know, like, and I think that the book was a way to think about sort of how do you start to sort of institutionalize um, some of what they, well, somebody, what these image makers are doing and, and sort of think about this in a very serious way and not just sort of as sort of something you scroll through on Instagram and then you forget about and you scroll and forget about, you scroll, like, like let's, let's take a moment to really consider, you know, what they were doing and what they are doing. And also just like my own sort of position, you know, Ality, which is like, definitely inside the art world and definitely inside the sort of institutional sort of structures of the art world, you know, but like also like definitely tied to like the, you know, the internet, the streets, the, you know, whatever. Right. And so, um, and then also just having friendships, like I've been, me and AWOL have been friends for 10 years now. And he was like, on Tumblr, like, you know, like these, like in, in you know, Joshua Kissy and, and the street etiquettes and, you know, all of that stuff. Like, this has been sort of a long time coming. And then you get sort of to Tyler Mitchell and that Vogue cover that seemingly sort of opened the floodgates in a lot of ways. Because I think what it signaled was that, like, it, not that like Tyler's the only one that was creating that way, because there were all obviously others, you know, doing it, but it signaled that. It seemed like sort of a win and an acknowledgement from sort of the status quo or the establishment that this sort of work was going was important and valued and deserved sort of space, right? And it, it also signaled a shift, I think, in sort of the ways in which we think about fashion photography and the sort of um, in the ways we could have construct images of desire and beauty. And so I think you have all of that stuff sort Can of you happening. Tell a bit more about the. What, what was the nature of that shift as you see it? Like, what were they adding to the conversation or changing about the conversation or what were they breaking about what had been happening in, in fashion institutions, including by the way, GQ, and that they were like twisting or breaking or, or transforming? I think that they, it was a lot of sort of what they have in common is this sort of root rerouting, you know, the fascist image, the fashion image to um, the community, right? And so, what I mean by that is like you have someone like Daniel Abbasi in Log Legos shooting, you know, his friends and getting fashion designers, you know, Kenneth Eze, who we all know now, and you know, and others like and putting his friends and making these, you know, up these sort of scenes and these fantasies and then uploading them to the internet, right? And then you have, you know, um, AWOL staging all his friends in his, you know, sort of, you know, art historical sort of, if, you know, images, right? Um, and then you have Tyler shooting, you know, the, his homies from Georgia and casting them and all of that stuff. And so I think you, I think you have Quill shooting his 
family and, you know, those dresses and his friends and that sort of masculinity shoot. And then you have, you know, the list sort of kind of goes on and on. You were Nell, for example, who also, you know, shot that sh cover for you guys, uh, shooting her girlfriends in the Bronx early days, right? Like, um, and using the Bronx as a location for a lot of her shoots in those sort of er that early period, right? Um, and so you had this real sort of uh, fidelity, I think, to community. And you sort of, and there was sort of a move away from or a reaction to sort of the images that we all grew up sort of seeing, right? These sort of glossy images taken by, you know, four or five white dudes. Um, and <laughs> you can count them on but also, <laughs> but also, I always have to throw that in. I always have to throw that in. But, four or five. but also, but also I think that there was an opening at the same time that they were emerging and I don't, people don't really talk about this, but I think it's really important. There was this opening because all these, some of these guys had, you know, photographers were, you know, caught, you know, you know, doing things sexually to people that were not appropriate, right? And so like you have them all sort of not all of them, but many of them who were shooting a lot of the covers and shooting a lot of the, you know, so were asked to leave. We will not work with this photographer. Okay, well, this guy shoots six of your covers a year. So what's up? So who's going, <laughs> so who are going to replace them, right? And so, and so I think that like that, not taking away from any of the work that these young photographers are doing, but I do think it, it, it allowed for an opening. Yeah. One thing and that's I, so interesting about what you're saying is that even in, and, and it's different for each of these photographers, but that there was some sort of element for a lot of the um, photographers that are represented in the book that even if no traditional capital F fashion element was mm -hmm. present at the shoot, so that's a magazine or um, samples lent by a fashion brand or mm -hmm. you know a one of the six photo studios that you know the fashion system goes to mm -hmm. that there was still something about the eye or the image of the photographer that was fashion like undeniably fashion in some sense yeah I mean I think that they were the you know they were saying they were taking fashion images you know they were looking at sort of that what we have you know sort of called a fashion image and they were sort of making their own sort of um, intervention on that, right? And so I, so I think that was sort of like the impulse, but also like, I, you know, Aperture was like, do you want to do a book? Called me one day, I was like, do you want to do a book? And I was like, sure, I'll do a book. And they were like, okay, like, what will it be? And I was like, you know, in this moment, I think that like what makes sense for me as someone who's just always been about you know, sort of emerging talent or young artist, and thinking about artists of our generation, because I, because I think that you know, like if we're not going to have the conversations about the artists of our generation, who will? You know, um, was just like, well, you know, Aperture is like traditionally a very like photo photo place, you know, capital P photo place, and I was like, it'd be really, I think it would really, you know, also um, push Aperture a little bit to think about younger image makers and think about how they, as in sort of the like crown jewel in like the photo, you know, sort of world in that way, um, can also participate 
or also has to sort of change with the times, you know? And so for example, you know, it's like we did the book and um, a lot of these image makers had never printed a photo, right? Like they had never like, like printed an exhibition photo. And so, you know, or some of them was just like really early. Cause again, these, they're all like, you know outside of AWOL or, you know or sort of the, the sort of older you know, sort of, and by old, I mean like 30, you know, like <laughs> group of people here, you know, a lot of them had learned themselves, taught themselves, you know, um, you know, AWOL obviously went to Cooper, then went to Yale and, you know, a master photographer. Um, but then, you know, so, so they had learned over time and some of the images was, were just like, you know, we we're like color correcting images for people, you know, and like, which is an expertise that Aperture has, you know? And, you know, like there were images we want to use that we just like were not like big, large enough. Like we could not stretch, like they sort of, so as you start to sort of stretch them, they deteriorate, right? It was because it was like early on and they were like figuring out what they were trying to do. And like, and that's not a negative. It's just like, a, it shows the sort of fidelity that these image makers had to photography that they were like, I'm on my iPhone, I'm on any camera that I can I can use to take these images because I believe in the power of the images that I, you know, that I'm taking. And so I just wanted to sort of like honor that. And I just wanted to also like put a, you know, maybe through this book, try to put a thumb on the scale in favor of them. Because then, you know, after that, you know, it's like, a few of them were getting sort of magazine jobs and campaigns. And then after that book came out, a lot of them are getting, you know, um, a lot of that stuff. And that's not to say that, you know, that I'm taking any credit for their talent because it was undeniable to me. Um, but it was just that like, sometimes in these systems, you need an aperture to say, Yes, or you need, you know, you know, a curator to say, we're going to think about this and we're going to put on this exhibition that's going to travel around the world. And it just helps to change the sort of temperature and perspective around that work. And so I think that what that's what happened with, you know, with that book, which is like so crazy, like, you know, this book has sold out like six or seven times now. And you're just like, that doesn't happen with art books, yeah. you know? So I think that was definitely something it was something that the culture wanted to see or the culture was also witnessing, but like no one was speaking to it. And so it's just like an opportunity again, it, thinking about audiences and thinking about like, you know, like someone like Rennell or Tyler or whatever, or, you know, Quill or whoever who have these large followings, but no one is really sort of thinking about, oh, how can we sort of uh, think about this work in a, a way that is really serious, that sort of thinks about the photographer's concerns um, but also allows them space to be pushed and grow. And, you know, because that's what happens when you give someone then opportunities, you know, it's like they are young, they need to grow and they, and they need to be developed, you know, like no one's saying that like all of these photographers are where they should be or where they can be, you know? Um, and I think that like, you know, GQ giving quite a few of them an opportunity to shoot a cover or shoot a spread is an opportunity for them to grow, you know, like the, mechanisms around fashion magazines, um, there are very different shoots, right? Like shooting your homie in like your clothes 
is very different than like needing to have a team to produce a shoot, right? Yeah, and building production teams. infrastructure and budget. Exactly. And the, the, exactly. We serve up a celebrity, but also what comes with that is like the whole celebrity industrial complex exactly. you know, and exactly. all of those things. And then it's obviously um, our job to, uh, to both like uh, feed that talent, but also support, support the talent, you know? To the, the the by talent I mean the photographer like like yeah, there's no, the opportunity sure. but we're gonna build we're gonna like build this infrastructure for you to stand on and for it's it's like a new place for you to stand while bringing that voice and vision that you've already proven you know exactly yeah no I mean I think and I think that is like also just very key it's like you know when people were doing like the Vogue challenge like one of the things that I sort of was thinking, I was like, you know, even if Vogue came to some of these photographers tomorrow and was like, hey, we really want you to shoot. I was like, do they have the infrastructure to do a Vogue shoot, you know? And I think that like, that is one of the things where I'm like, like, that's why opportunity big and small are very important because it allows for artists to sort of get better. You know, it's something we don't talk about. Like even with like the you know, like the Jurgen Teller and like the, you know, all of that stuff, you know, around like Twitter, like photo Twitter, I guess you can call it now, <laughs> like dragging all of these photographers and you're just like, every shoot's not gonna be great, you know? Um, but also like, that doesn't mean that like they, they're not photographers or that they are not, they're bad, their work is bad or they're, you know, that, that there's some sort of like, you know, you know, some like major failing. It's like sometimes like the ingredients just don't, you know, cook the right way. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's just sort of like what art is, you know, people make shitty things sometime, you know, like I, I don't really and, like- And, and in more, any discipline, one of the most important things is like, just get your reps in, you know? Exactly. You gotta do it and do it. And like, sometimes the, the some there's like a flaw in the styling and sometimes there's a flaw in the production and sometimes there's a, difficulty with the talent you know? or you know one of those ingredients twists and you have to get you have to just have experience with how to elevate something even when all the pieces aren't coming together perfectly yeah. and that just comes from doing it and doing it and doing it again but also it's like even michael jordan had bad days like there's yeah. just no like i just don't like i guess that 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 discourse is just so like insane to me because i'm the, like the twitter photo discourse yeah, yeah, just like, I'm like, at the point if you're saying that Annie Leibovitz can't shoot, don't know how to light people, you've lost, you've, you've lost the plot. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's like, she is one of the most significant photographers of the 20th fucking century. Are you, she, trust me, if she, if the lighting is that way, she wants it that way. You know, like it's, it's, and, and, and that's a different thing, right? Like, how about we talk about the choices being made right. as choices and not like as mistakes, right? Like as like, Oh, this person doesn't not like you know this type of skin, and it's like, are oh, so you're an aperture expert now, okay? <laughs> like, you know what, like I'm like, like I, I just you know it's that sort of those sort of just dialogue, you know, it's just like really wrong f stop, you know, really at the wrong exactly f stop, like, <laughs> and then you'll say f stop, and people are like, well, what's that, you know? And you're just like, right, but you know what lighting should look like on someone's skin, you know? Like it's it's it's, and I'm not saying that like like that some people do know or whatever. And it's also, it's not the thing you don't have to not like something because you don't, I don't care if you like it or not. Like that's not my sort of like position on it. It's just like, it's about how you sort of engage the work 
it's very, it's just, it's very telling, you know? Yeah. Antoine, could you talk about the relationship of the, the book and impact of the book on, on art? I mean, sort of the art world, so to speak, is, has historically been reluctant to like accept photography or there's been tension mm -hmm. about photography being art and then especially fashion yeah. photography um, yep. add another layer to complicate that. And I think we're, we're seeing that sort of dissolve in ways and have for a while, but I felt like you proposed something pretty radical um, with regards to that. So I just wonder about how you yeah, I mean, felt I, I, that I, impact has happened. I mean, I feel like I did and I didn't. Like, I feel like Richard Avedon, Irving Penn, Roe Etheridge, the list goes on. You know, I, I we can detect a pattern there, you know, like, like, they've been able to do move sort of seamlessly between the worlds that they wanted to sort of move between. And I just say, you know, just give others the same grace that you've given, you know, a particular type of artist, you know? And so like, I don't even know if I, like, I, I do think that like, that like it's a renewing of the argument, but I think that like the, the, like the arguments there. And also like, I don't think you could sort of make the argument without Row and without Irving Penn and without Richard Avedon, like I think that like that's what our history is. That's what a canon is. That's what a it's to you know a culture is, right? Like like that like that that these artists are moving sort of in a lineage. You know, um, I also don't think you can make that argument without someone like James Vanderzee, right? Who never was allowed to shoot um, any you know in any of the sort of magazines or newspaper because of you know the fact of his you know skin color, but was in Harlem taking, you know, fashion photos, you know, like the couple in a raccoon coat, that is a fashion image, you know? Um, it's part of what you're arguing for, Antoine, that like a healthy, um, a healthy photo career for the right artist, photo artist is a mixture like Irving Penn, Richard Avedon, Roe Etheridge and so on have had of fine art, editorial and commercial. Yeah, I think I think so because I think you think about sort of like the platforms, right? And the audience or each platform, like the smallest, it's all it's funny because the art world gets sort of like to make like so much meaning out of, you know, a, a lot of sort of our like meaning out of you know what our tastes are, what our what our beauty standards are, all of these things. And the biggest platforms with the biggest audiences are still you know, these magazines, right? That's, those are the biggest, that's the biggest platform for photo, you know, like, I don't care what exhibition you do, there's, you know, the, the a possibility of your work being seen by millions of people um, is, it creates a different kind of an engagement than an exhibition, you know? And, uh, and I think that like photographers more than any other artist um, have been willing to sort of think about those engagements across the different audiences that the different platforms sort of allow. And I think that that is something that should be celebrated. I also think that like, you know, it, it also, you know, we always turn to photography, although it's, you know, as you, as you said, you know, Noah, that like, it's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's often a, a something that's been devalued, you know, it wasn't until like the 1970s with, you know, sort of Maplethorpe that you even get, you know, a real sort of like value around sort of uh, photography as art. And, and, you know, I think that like, 
that's still a battle, you know? Like, I think that like, you know, the pitchers generations have done a lot, you know, Cindy Sherman has, you know, done a lot for that, you know, cause. I think, you know, Carrie Mae Weems and Mickalene Thomas have also, um, even Jurgen Teller, you know, um, has also, you know, did a lot um, to sort of make sure that like photography itself is taken seriously, you know? You know, I don't know. I just thought that like, there was a, such a rich history and the fact that like all our lives are all just pictures now, you know, and and that like we need to sort of interrogate what those pictures mean, you know, and because they're having a, a really, really profound effect on who we are, what we think, how we dress, you know, what we think is beautiful um, and the reverse of those things, what we don't think is beautiful, who, you know, and all of and who what we don't think is smart, who's not valued, all those things. And so, you know, like I just thought that like photography was like an interesting sort of place to sort of have that conversation. Someone should tell photo Twitter that uh, Jurgen's not just a dude in short shorts with an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but also he, he is. But also he, <laughs> is. But also he is, and he also has been a dude in short shorts in an iPhone or a uh, you know a uh, whatever point and shoot, camera, point and shoot um, for a very long time. This is not new. I mean, I guess that's the other thing. I'm like, I'm like, this is not anything out of the ordinary. We could talk about why or whatever, but also talk about putting your reps in. He put his reps in, you know, like this is not like he's, you know, like. This is like, not, this is also not his first outrage controversy. Of oh, he loved it. I, I, like, is, he this loved even, it. A, is this even a valid picture? He's been doing, I mean, he's been he loved that for I think, he lo I think he has to love this, that conversation. No question. I, I, he had to like love that people were freaking out and like, oh my God, what is this picture? I'm sure he loved that. Like, I have no doubt about that. He's, you're going to tell us losing no sleep over that conversation. You made him more famous, more consequential. You've helped his project because his whole project has been, uh, you know, what you just said, Will, about sort of the authenticity of a photograph, like what makes a photograph and blah, 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 you know, all of that stuff. Yeah, cracking cracking that hard line. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like what we see in the art world too, where with certain naive stuff or abstract stuff where people are like, I could do that. Yeah. Or that, that, that person doesn't even know how to paint, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jurgen Teller's like the expert draftsman who makes really naive or simplistic art that people, the assumption is like, this person doesn't know what they're doing, you know? Yeah. But behind that is that yeah, exactly. work. I encourage you guys to keep going. I have to slide, but um, I'll, Anton, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> okay, well, I'll talk to you soon. Later, Will. But if there's anything you want to say about Will now that he's gone, I mean, this is your moment. <laughs> <laughs> That GQ. Um, Anton, we didn't get a chance to, I don't know if it, if the, the time is right for this, but do you want to say something about your, what your first show at Gagosian will be? Or when? Or? I've been sworn to secrecy, but it's going to open hopefully this summer. Um, just because of COVID stuff, um, yeah. we don't want to like put out a date or put out anything yeah. yet. But it's, it's a show that's going to sort of explore uh, social practices around space. Um, the show is called Social Works. And so um, that's what I'll say for now. All right. But you all have to come. Is it going to be at the, the Madison Avenue? Location? No, no, no. It's going to be at uh, 555 in, in Chelsea. Oh, nice. That's the, the big. That's the superior. The big, uh, I got, I got <laughs> the, the big gallery. I got the big gallery. Excellent.
what are you going to wear to the opening? Are you already? What am I going to wear yeah. to the opening? I, you know, I am. I don't know. Like I've been working out like a crazy person so I can get like you know in every top. outfit I I ever want. Yeah, I'll just I'm going to wear a crop top actually <laughs> that I can get into every outfit that I possibly can. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be a suit of some sort, I imagine. Um, but I'm I'm sort of open, you know. Um, maybe it would be that like Molly Goddard like quilt moment from her show. <laughs> I really love that the blazer yeah. and the kilt and the, the blazer and the, yeah. Yeah, and the so creepers. Good. Yeah, that's the biggest so look. It was so so good. What are you guys? What 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 are you guys loving with in fashion right now? I have a few more minutes. We were just talking about how, um, well, more like I was kind of yelling and Noah and Sam were like, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, that Rick Owens is like the most genius designer alive. Okay. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait, I'll hear you out. Why? Okay, you didn't, well, you posed it, but then you didn't elaborate. I just sort of agreed. I just I like just can't have... believe that like Rick Owens has been doing Rick Owens at the level that he does what he does for such a long time. And I feel like over the past, like maybe two years, his work has gotten to a totally new, weird and bizarre level. Um, and he seems to be like constantly questioning what he does and why, which I think is really interesting if you have as much of a signature as he does. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that. I can agree with that. He came to the New Black Vanguard dinner in Los Angeles, him and Michelle. Wow. Amazing. You're like hanging. And then like Arthur Jaffa and them had a conversation. I was like, what are you talking? I wanted to like, I saw him across the room having a conversation. I was like, can I be a fly on that? On that? Who do you think is the greatest designer alive? Greatest designer alive. I, you know, I always get nervous when I'm like greatest designer alive. Um, who's the greatest designer alive? Probably Miss Prada. Yeah. Like I, I, th I just, I, I mean, I, I, the, I love the fact that they've teamed up, and that's just so amazing. Um, I also am loving this, like, I, I you know, I love. Obviously, we know I love uh, Bode and and um, Great Walls Bonner, um, but then there's that 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 kid who was a part who was a part of Grace's like team for a while. I think it's Maximilian. Yeah. Oh, he's good. Yeah, he's just like came out of nowhere and it's like doing it. And it's really crazy because like he, you know, like was on Grace's team. And so he would like, you know, sell things and model. I mean, like I knew him sort of more recently. Um, he was working at Dover Street Market in London. And like I would go like when I would be in London, I would like shop there and like just would, you know, friendly banter and, you know, about clothes and, and stuff. And then two years later, it's like, oh, my God, you know, like he's like, the sexiest, you know, stuff. What's his yeah. collection called? Is it called Maximilian? Maximilian, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You should wear ski goggles to your opening. I should, I should. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting how like Dover Street employs all of these people who are fashion designers. Yeah. Like yeah. Jacquemus used to work there. Oh, really? Yeah. Nick Bailey worked there. Yeah. Oh God. I. Um, I have to, I, I forgot, I have a, I have a Zoom call with Theastrogate and I'm now five minutes late. Okay. <laughs> That's a hard out. Yeah. That's a hard out. Okay. All right. Um, Thanks, thanks a lot, Antoine. But thank you guys for having yeah, me. That was Bye. super fun. 
and I'll come back. Okay, good. Anytime. I'm already planning my next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll see you guys soon. All right. Bye. Bye, Antoine.